this is Jordan Beal. Welcome to the Rock of Grace podcast from our Kinsman campus. We are passionate about leading people to follow Jesus together, and we're so glad that you're opening the Word of God with us today. I pray God speaks to your heart. Thank you, guys. Yes, I'm the firstborn. I I can be bossy at times, I guess. I can say guilty to that, but... um, I'm just really happy to be able to be here this morning and, and share with you. You know, I'm not, I'm a preacher's daughter. I, I, you know, I haven't gone to school, but what I do know is that I do love the Lord and I love his word. And anytime I have the opportunity to encourage, um, I just say yes. So this is me saying yes this morning. Um, so before we get started, we've been talking about prayer. So I thought we should do that. We should open Um, before we start with prayer. So if you don't mind, just please bow your head with me. Lord, I just thank you that we're all gathered here together. I just thank you for the opportunity to be able to share my heart and uh, to share your word. I pray you would open our hearts, that you would teach us what you want us to know, and I pray that we will honor you. In all of these things, we give thanks. Amen. So as I was thinking about prayer, I was thinking, you know, so many things, and just even what I've experienced throughout my life. But one of the things I kind of wrote down is prayer for me is kind of just that one opportunity if I'm laying in my bed and I'm looking around my room or I can't sleep or if I'm in my car where I kind of just am able to unlock my heart and um, maybe unlock my tongue and um, get comfortable with just talking to Jesus and just getting comfortable talking to him like a person, that it's not formalized, that I can just kind of say what I want to say. And uh, I was kind of thinking over the last couple years, the word lockdown has become quite a negative turn. I don't think any of us want to go through another lockdown season. But when it comes to prayer, I think oftentimes the enemy has us baffled that we need to have our words locked down, that we need to have our feelings locked down that we need to have our dreams locked down, that, you know, those, those aren't important to God, you know, that we don't need to, you know, talk to God that way. But I just want you to know that if you've ever had that moment and you're alone with the Lord and you're just able to just spill out everything that you're thinking and feeling and you're connecting with him, you just have that complete freedom to talk to him. Those are sometimes rare moments, but those are the moments that we can become very vulnerable and connect with the Lord. And one thing I know for sure is that those are treasured moments, not only for you, but those are treasured moments for God. He actually just longs for you to be able to talk to him in that way. You know, sometimes we might guard ourselves because we think, you know, God doesn't care about that. Uh, People have way worse problems than me. You know, I'm not going to worry God with uh, that little thing, or maybe it's just too big. Why why even pray about it? There's just, I'm not going to get an answer. But uh, there's a million of reasons why we might choose not to talk to God about something. We might have a million excuses, but this morning, the one thing I want to have you take home, and the one thing I want to encourage you, is to never give up. God wants us to pray to him about everything, no matter how little or how big. Just don't give up. One really big reason I think prayer is important is because it changes us. 
We all know that God can see our hearts. We know that he knows what we need, the Bible says, even before we ask. We know that God has certain things that he wants to accomplish uh, in our lives. But what we don't always know and what we oftentimes don't understand is the how. But when we go to prayer and we open our hearts, you're asking God and you're inviting him to step into that need. You're asking him to step into that situation. And honestly, it gives God the opportunity to shape us, to shape our mind and our heart to the most important thing, which is to receive his answer. You know, sometimes we think, God, he isn't answering me, but he is. God will answer our prayers. His word confirms that, which we are going to see this morning. Sometimes he answers us in ways we don't expect. But when we go to prayer, this is what happens. God reveals his will. He reveals his heart. And one of the most exciting things for me is he reveals his action, what he's going to do or how he's going to move. So we've been going through the Lord's Prayer. It's found in Luke 11. And um, I was going to pray or, you know, go through that prayer once again, just as a recap. But uh, as I went through my message today, it was like really long. (laughs) I'm like, I got to cut this down. I've got a lot of stories in here. So we're just going to pick up right after Jesus does the Our Father who art in heaven. He goes on. It doesn't just stop there. He goes on, and he says in verse 5, and you guys, the the words are going to be up on the screen, or if you have your Bible, you can open it up. I think this is the uh, the New King James Version. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are in bed with me. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Doesn't stop there. Verse 9, he says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Not maybe. Will. Knock, and it will be opened. For everyone who receives, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. You know, when I read this parable, the one thing that really stands out to me is the guy who had the boldness to go to his neighbor in the middle of the night to ask for some bread. I can hardly imagine that I would ever go to my neighbor's house in the middle of the night so I can feed my company. I mean, maybe if I had an emergency, maybe, I mean, maybe I would go bang on my neighbor's door at midnight, but just because I found out that I had guests coming and I didn't have any bread in the freezer, I don't know that I would go bother him. 
But in studying for this, I found out a few interesting facts about the culture in that time. It says a father would lie down in front of his family at night to keep them safe. So you can just imagine, you know, you got the mom and the kids in the middle and the dad at the end, which I'm sure if you're a parent, you've all lived this way. You're all like in the bed together at some point. You know, if someone comes banging on your door in the middle of the night, you're just sitting there thinking, I can't get up. If I move a muscle, one of these kids is going to wake up and it's going to be horrible. So I can just imagine this guy laying there that's thinking, I can't get up. I've got my baby sitting here. Shh, go away, go away. But the guy, he wants some bread and he's not going away. So guess what? He has to get up and answer him. Second important fact that we can see from this story is the family's reputation is, like, really important. I mean, it's, like, on the line. So if your neighbor comes to you and you just turn them away because you didn't want to get up, that would, be, that would, like, make you look really bad. So when Jesus follows up this parable about this guy seeking for bread, he says, ask, and it will be given to you. Knock, and I will open the door. Seek me, you will find me. So basically, I'm here waiting for you. I want you to come to me in the middle of the night. I want you to bang on my door because I have actually a lot of really amazing things I want to give you. I think Jesus is making the point to be persistent. You can come to me boldly at any time for everything, no matter how big or how little. It doesn't always have to be an emergency situation. Maybe you, it's just a simple thing, but God is there, and he wants that communication with us. First Thessalonians 5.17, it says, Pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Have you ever wondered what the expectation here really is? I mean, how this actually works? Does God really want us to pray without ceasing? I think he does. I really do think this means literal. This really challenged me this week. It seems impossible, but really, I think it has a note to be able to say this is a mind and an attitude that we should have that we are access that God is accessible to us at any time that he's present with us when you're at work when you're at your desk when you're at your car and that even the little naggy irritating things that happen we can whisper up a quick little prayer and God is right there it is that attitude and a heart that he is present. He is all present. He's not somewhere far, far away that we have to formally make an appointment. That he is present wherever you may be at whatever time of day. I really like this pastor. His name is um, Pastor Jack Hibbs. I usually listen to him at least once a week. Uh, in one of his messages, he said, did you know that, that God has a direct line that we can, we can access him straight and go straight to him. It's called uh, Jeremiah 33.3. So I, I put that up on the screen because I'll never forget this now. Jeremiah 33.3 is God's phone number. It says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things in which you do not know. 
So this is a quick little reminder. When you just don't know, God does. And we can call him anytime. So put that in your pocket. Jeremiah 33, 3. You won't forget it. Psalms 145, 18 through 20. It says, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire. I think this is interesting. This isn't just a want. You know, sometimes we think God only wants to take care of what our basic needs. But this, this is talking to me about dreams, about desires, things that we might be, have hidden in our heart that maybe we don't share with everybody. He will fulfill the desire for those who fear him. He also will hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love him. Even in the midst of discouragement or despair, don't give up. God loves us. He's listening. And he is faithful. Why is God asking us to be so persistent? I mean, if he's there, why is he wanting us to be so persistent? Well, when I thought about that, because I kept saying, God, I mean, if you already know, why are you asking us to just seek you so hard? And I said to myself, this is growing up with my dad, okay, if he said something, you just said, okay, right? Well, the simple answer is because Jesus asked us to be. (laughs) So why are we going to question it? He wants us to be persistent. He has reasons. Sometimes we don't understand all those reasons. But he asked us to be, so I think that we should. I'm sure you've all, including myself, have experienced times when you're seeking God for a breakthrough or it just seems like you've been praying for something for a really long time and your your prayers are going nowhere. It's like they're hitting the ceiling or you just don't feel like your prayer is getting answered or maybe God just doesn't care about it. Don't be discouraged. Let me encourage you. It's just, you know what that should do to you? I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is part of my personality, but it's just time to get really stubborn about it. Just have a change of heart. Instead of getting like beaten down, just go, you know what? No. God said to be persistent. So let's start knocking. Let's start seeking and get stubborn about it. Because understand this, the devil wants you to give up. So just the fact knowing that the devil wants you to get up should just make you mad enough to say, guess what? I'm not. I'm not going to give up. And I want to encourage you to hold on because we, we are going to face many battles. We have and we will. We're going to face things. As long as we're here on this earth until Jesus is ruling and reigning, we have many battles to face. We have many fronts. But we need to have tenacious prayer. Jesus tells us another story, and we're going to look at that. It's the story about the persistent widow. We're going to look at Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. You guys can read along. Then he spoke a parable to to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. I underline uh, underline that because he starts the story right from the beginning. This is the reason he's going to tell us this story. He's telling us to not lose heart. There was a certain city or there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, 
get justice for me, for my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest her continual coming, she weary me. Sounds like she just drove him crazy, and he just couldn't stand it anymore. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? I've been reading this book to prepare for this message. Uh, it's called Unrelenting Prayer. It's by uh, Bob Sorge. I would encourage you. Wow. This is just an amazing book, and I'm going to be reading you a a little portion of that in in just a minute. But one of the things that he highlights is each of these characters in this story and why Jesus gave us the story and why the persistent factor is so important. We're going to look at three characters, the judge, the widow, and then there's the widow's adversary. So Jesus starts by introducing us to this very evil man. He's an unjust city judge. The judge is obviously, I mean, the Bible literally says he has no fear of God. He he doesn't care that there's morals or standards. He has his own. He is not accountable to anyone, which makes him very susceptible to every kind of evil under the sun. I mean, you can imagine greed, corruption, pretty much everything that we see today. So I don't think times are very different. We can also see that this judge absolutely had no mercy. He had no compassion on the widow that came to him for help. He didn't care that she was a widow. And uh, he didn't care that there was any injustice towards her. Okay? The only reason he paid any attention to her is because she nagged him so hard. There was no, there was no reason. You know, he, di- he didn't care about her circumstance. Now we see the widow. She's a woman who's obviously desperate. I mean, she needs justice for something. We don't know what the circumstance is. Uh, The parable doesn't tell us that. But in those days, a woman in her situation would have been very vulnerable. She was unprotected. She did not have a voice. You're not supposed, a woman should not approach a judge. You would do that through your husband. She was alone. She lost her husband, who was her protector, her provider, her voice, her lover. What we do know is she was really wronged. I mean, think about it. It had to be bad. It had to be bad for her to gather the courage for a woman to go before a wicked. I mean, if you're thinking you're going to go through a wicked judge, I'd be scared. Who wouldn't be scared? I'd be scared. Just even a kind judge, if you have to go to court, who wants to do that? Nobody. This is a wicked, known, ungodly judge, and she's got to go before him, not just once, not just twice, not three times, several times. She went to him over and over and over, pleading her case. And then we see the adversary. Whoever he or she was, we don't know. 
We just know that he was coming against this woman really harshly. Very little is said about what actually happened. Maybe he was trying to take advantage of her or her situation. Maybe they were trying to destroy her financially. I was trying to think, what other things? You know, what, what could be so bad? Well, maybe this person was trying to destroy her name. Maybe her husband's name. Maybe their character. We don't know for sure, but it was bad enough that this woman could gather enough strength to have this bold tenacity to keep going before the judge. The only defense this woman had was to go see this evil judge. She had nowhere else to turn. No one else was able to help her. He was the only person with the authority to stop whatever injustice was facing her. So she went straight to the source, and she never quit. So who do these characters represent? Why did God give us this whole scenario? Well, the judge in this story, believe it or not, is God. He's the judge of over, over all the earth. He has ultimate authority. But in huge contrast, our God loves justice. Our God has a zeal for righteousness and justice. He takes a personal interest in every single one of us. Number one reason, because we're his kids. I don't know if you're a parent, but have you ever been in a situation where your kid has been wronged? I mean, this crazy courage just comes, I, I don't know, it happens to me. It's like, you poke the mama bear, so look out. I mean, seriously, it is crazy what you will do to defend your kids, all right? So I want you to think about that. You're God's kid, and when someone wrongs you, don't you forget that it goes unnoticed. Your father, God, the most righteous judge, takes note, and he loves justice, Psalms 33, 5 says, he loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Psalms 37, verse 28 says, the Lord loves justice. He does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. But the descendants of the wicked will be cut off. This widow in the story is you and I. The widow isn't described as weak or poor. It's just described that she's a widow because she has the death of her husband, which places her in a vulnerable situation, but many of us can relate. We may have experienced death of someone who we love or is close to us, but maybe you've experienced the death of something else, maybe the death of a marriage. Maybe a dream. Maybe it's your health. You know, a sickness can plague, I mean, and, and, and really be a burden. This is an experience of death in your life. Despite what this widow had lost or despite what she was facing, the widow mustered enough courage to go to the one person who could help her, and she was relentless. 
What God is encouraging us in this story is just come straight to me. I will answer you. I am nothing like an earthly evil judge. I love justice and I love you. So let that sink in. He loves justice and he loves us. There's one last line in the verse of that story that really stuck out to me as well. It was the very last line in the parable. It just kind of almost seems out of place. It says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? I mean, why does he ask that question? He just told this great story. Now it's like he jumped from talking about prayer to going to end times. He's coming back. Is it possible that when he comes, that he'll find that we gave up? I think that's the question he's asking. Were we defeated by our circumstances? Did we lose our faith? God is going to come to our rescue, and when he comes, are we going to be faithful when he arrives? We tend to give up so easily, but the irony of this is the best way to build your faith is to be in prayer. We can't afford to be discouraged to the point where we give up because that's what Satan wants, and we just can't. (laughs) We just can't give up. We cannot give our adversary the pleasure of winning. Our adversary is Satan. He has his own agenda He wants to steal us away from God, destroy our destiny in every possible way, physically, mentally, spiritually. Boom, boom, boom. We are God's most treasured creation. We're his kids. And that just puts a big fat target right on our back. So I'm going to read to you an excerpt from this book, Unrelenting Prayer, because it really exposes God's... um, or I should say Satan's game plan so well. I put it on the screen so you guys can read along. It says, as long as you're standing before God and continuing in prayer, nothing can stop your spiritual destiny. But if you can be moved from the place of prayer, from the place of gazing on the face of Christ, then everything that God planned for your life is at risk. Wow. That's why I wanted to read that to you. Why would we want to put everything that God planned for us at risk? I don't. If we read on, hell expands its best ammunition on trying to move you from the throne. He will try to tempt you away from God's presence. He will seek to discourage you from standing before God. His three powerful tactics, distraction, temptation, and discouragement. I think we've all faced those exact same things. I mean, have you ever been distracted from your place before God? I mean, it's like you're praying, you feel like you're connecting God, and then boom, I'm putting the laundry in. It's like, how 
does that happen? And then it's like, oh, wait, Lord, I'm so sorry. Where was I? And then you're praying again, and then, I don't know, the phone rings, or someone knocks on the door, or the dog throws up, or I don't know, a lot of things happen. We get distracted in our daily life, careers, the demands of our schedules, kids, house, phones. We face temptation, and we definitely face discouragement. I mean, discouragement takes on many forms. Anxiety, worry, depression, all of these can suddenly just come on and they can pummel the best of us at any given time, right? We've all been there. I mean, but when you understand that Satan is on mission to do everything possible to move you from the most powerful place that we can actually employ is being before the Lord, being persistent in listening to him so he can give us his answers I mean, wow, Satan wants us to lose faith, anything to move us from the presence of God. And when you understand that, it just really makes you understand why God wants us to be so persistent. The widow had to endure endure all her adversary's abuse, but it didn't stop her from going to the judge. We have no idea how hard it was for her. I'm sure she was distracted in the process. We don't know how many months she had to wait for this justice. I'm sure she faced the temptation to just quit, to give up. I'm tired. I can't do this anymore. It's just over. I'm sure she was discouraged. I'm sure she was full of worry about it. I'm sure she was full of anxiety and fear. I mean, she's got to go stand before a wicked judge. Yep. She did it. She never gave up, and God is asking us to do the same. Sometimes he answers right away. Wow, there's been times, I'm not kidding, I've been praying, and I've, the weirdest things will happen. It's like you see a billboard, and it, it's like the answer. It's like, wow, that, that was definitely God. I mean, sometimes he just answers, or someone picks up the phone and calls you and encourages you or prays for you and, and gives you a confirmation Sometimes we wait months, and sometimes it can be years. So I'm asking you, are you okay with that? Are you okay with being patient while you wait? Are you okay with having God have you stand there and be persistent for a while? I'm going to close with one more story, except I think it's important. This one is not a parable. Did you guys know the difference between a parable and a a Bible story? A parable, Jesus always tells us, oh, there was a man. Oh, there was a judge. Oh, there was a woman. But when it's a true account, it's a true account of someone's life story and what they experienced. We're going to look at Hannah. This is the true account of this woman, Hannah. So Hannah, she was in, uh, Will, you guys can start to come, but uh, Hannah, she was a woman who married a man called Elkanah, okay? They had no children because the Bible says, now this is where it gets really challenging. The Bible says the Lord had closed Hannah's womb. But Elkanah had another wife and children. Now I know that seems terrible, 
but that's just how it was back then. And thank God he's changed it because what we're about to see, that this is a really big problem for Hannah. You see, Elkanah's other wife tormented Hannah. It says literally for years, which we're going to read in a minute. She, Hannah didn't have kids. And if you were a woman, that is like your pride and joy, especially back then. I mean, the most important thing that you could absolutely do is give your husband a son to carry on the family name. And she could not have children. God closed her womb. Can you imagine how horrible this situation was? She was living, you know, with this other wife and kids, and she was being tormented by this lady. So we're going to read the account of Hannah in 1 Samuel. It says, and her, which is Hannah's rival, also provoked her. Listen to the, the language that the Bible says. Her adversary, Hannah's adversary, provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. And so it was year by year. This wasn't over in a moment. This wasn't over in a prayer. This wasn't over in a few months. Hannah faced this year by year. She went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her, and therefore she wept and did not eat. Hannah is pretty much destroyed. Her heart is shredded. She wept and she couldn't even eat. It says she was in bitterness of soul. And she prayed to the Lord and she wept in anguish. But God, in his faithfulness and in his time, opened her womb and answered her prayer. And when the Lord answered Hannah's prayer, listen to how the language and how Hannah talks to God now. 1 Samuel 1, 26 through 27, she says, Oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here. She's reminding God, I was the one. I stood by here year after year after year after year and wept to you. I stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, the Lord has granted me my petition which I asked of him. She did not give up. Now we're going to read another portion of her prayer, which I'm telling you, this prayer is long. I had to like cut it back. But she, remember that moment I talked to you in the beginning of of when we got started as how you just want to pour out your heart to God and it's unfiltered and you can just say everything you're feeling. This is Hannah. She is in such a state of joy and happiness Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies. I can just see her look, walking past that other woman and just being like, I got a baby. My God gave me a baby. So there, you can quit tormenting me now because you can't, you have nothing on me. You can't put this hold on me. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Now, I'm going to have to stop it there, but the rock, 
It's never moving. It's not going anywhere. Jesus, Father God, is our rock. The prayer of happiness goes on for several more verses. Hannah was overcome with joy. She went to him broken and full of despair and not even eating to a mouth full of praise. She could smile at her enemy. Through this journey of Hannah's life, okay, this is her story. I don't know what your story is. This was a hard story for Hannah. This was not easy. God closed her womb, God opened the womb. But why did he do it? Because God transformed Hannah during this time. Hannah's faith and her outlook on God will never be the same because of what she experienced. The God she knew before to the God that she knows now is completely different. God transformed Hannah's faith and God can transform yours. Hannah is confident, I promise you. She was confident that the Lord heard her. She's confident that he is everything that he said he is. In the beginning, I don't think she was so confident, but at the end, she's confident. The lie from Satan is that God doesn't care, but he's a, he's a liar. He's just trying to move you from your place before God. God's word says he hears us. He loves justice and he wants us to come to him. The first time Jesus came, he was that sacrificial lamb. He laid down his life for us. But the Bible says when he comes the second time, he is the lion. He is the one with the resurrection power and he is coming to give justice. So you can't relent and you can't give up and you can't lose your faith. We are to be like the widow and we are to be like Hannah. Maybe you've been praying for something for a really long time and you are just so discouraged. Maybe you just want to give up. Maybe you're scared of what the answer might be. Maybe you're worried that your prayer isn't going to be answered. Maybe you've been really distracted and you just haven't been praying at all. You just don't have time. You've lost your faith. Maybe you've been tempted away. Maybe you're just caught doing stuff that you wish you, wouldn't, you weren't doing and you're just like, oh, I need to get back. Guess what? You can. You can't lose your faith. No matter where you are, God is listening. Whatever's running through your mind right now as you're sitting in that chair, God knows. Even the things that you don't wanna say out loud, he knows. Even though he knows it, guess what? He wants you to say it. He wants you to come before him. He wants you to knock at his door at midnight. He wants you to knock on his door at two in the morning, three in the morning, four in the morning, day after day and week after week and year after year. He wants you to be faithful to the end. When he comes, is he gonna find us faithful? As you're sitting in your seat, I wanna encourage you to take this opportunity. We're gonna worship. 
and we're going to pray. The prayer team is going to be available. You know, sometimes you don't know what to pray. Sometimes you just need someone to pray with you, and that's what the body of Christ is for. There's no shame. There's no judgment. We love each other. We've all been through all kinds of stuff. There's there, everything in this room, I guarantee you, we've all faced it all. And we have each other. And God wants you to take whatever care, whatever burden, no matter if it's for bread or if it's for healing, if it's for finances, if it's for a child, no matter what it is, it could be simple. Maybe it's a dream and you feel guilty asking about it. Don't. God says you can take everything to him. He cares about everything. We just have to invite him into the opportunity and the need and start going before him. God wants to give you an answer. So I just encourage you to get up. Seek him. Not just today. We're going to have the opportunity today. But when you're driving, when you're, when you're at your desk, when you're laying in your bed, when you're cooking your dinner, pray without ceasing. He's just available. So as we worship, I'm just going to invite you to go to prayer. Man, we're going to we're going to sit we're not going to have words up on the screen and we're going to we're just going to worship him, but I want to encourage you. Could we all if you're able, can we all stand?